looking to get cold side of Fon. Lafondra away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls podcast. Well, surprise, surprise, it has been quite a positive week for Reading FC. We've seen the embargo lifted and we've seen the announcement of officially Ruben Sellers becoming the manager of Reading Football Club. So I think that's the point of discussion that we will get to first. And luckily, Matt Lansley has been speaking to Jacob Tanswell of The Athletic only this morning. So let's have a listen to him on his thoughts on Ruben Sellers and his style of play at Southampton and just the whole thing. Thank you, Paul. And yes, good news. We have a new manager at last. Hallelujah. How good it feels to say that, I have to say. Um, We are going to take a look at Ruben Sellers, his history, his philosophy as a manager, and who better to do that with than Jacob from The Athletic. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, glad that uh, the Sellers move has finally been confirmed after a, a couple of weeks, just essentially in a holding pattern. But yeah, I'm glad that everything's done for, for Reading's sake as well. And, you know, with 25 odd days until the season starts, uh, glad it's got off the line finally. Rejoice, almost. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, we haven't had much to uh, be cheerful about, but having a manager finally appointed with, like you say, 20, 25 days left before the season is a time to celebrate if not if not now when (laughs) um so kind of looking at his time at Southampton Jacob obviously he came in he was Hassan Hootel's number two for for for, for quite some time obviously he had background before then in youth development under 18 coaches um fitness coach etc but he came in as Hassan Hootel's number two that was kind of almost his first break almost as a you know as a developing coach can you just give us a bit of insight really into his time at Southampton, how that developed, came about, and then obviously merging into his uh, time as manager? Yeah. Sellers is a coaching nomad. He, he retired from football at 25 and he spent 15 years working his way up across countries, You know, 12, thir- 12 or 13 different jobs from an analyst to a part of the backroom staff to assistant at Copenhagen. Um, he's, he's been everywhere. He's, he's got extensive CV and it was only last year actually came to Southampton because Southampton were, everyone knew they were going on a downward spiral. The, the club knew that they needed to re-energise the, the, the environment, the culture and obviously Hasner who had credit in the bank so they thought we can't get rid of the manager so we'll get rid of everything around the manager. So they sacked three of his backroom staff and brought three in and one of those was Ruben Sellers and you know the interview we've done we've touched on that in terms of the plan was for Sellers to be the, the the coach on the training ground so Hasnotel would stand and observe and Sellers would be taking training essentially being the manager the coach from, you know during the week um so it, that was you could say that was his first break into into Southampton or into England but he had been coaching in their background for so long putting in the hard yards putting the hard miles in that he was ready and he got to Southampton and because the feeling around Southampton was great at the time a lot of the players thought Sellers was, was fantastic. He was a breath of fresh air. They, wanted, they actually wanted him to become the manager straight away rather than Hasnatal because he'd burnt a lot of bridges by that stage. So he came in as assistant last year. He took majority of pre-season. The plan didn't quite go to plan because as soon as competitive games kicked in, Hasnatal then took control of sessions again. So that initial idea didn't really come to fruition. And then as the season wore on, Obviously, things were going in a downward spiral with Hartsnell. Nathan Jones came in. He he remained in the backroom staff because he was a club hire anyway. He didn't, he wasn't the assistant anymore. He had a diminished role. And then when Jones got sacked, 
he was the guy because the players liked him. Uh, he was probably one of the few positives in a bad season and they thought he could really kick on. Obviously, his first game was away to Chelsea, 1-1-0. But then I think in the end, everything caught up with him. Uh, bad, you know, everything in terms of the culture was bad. Uh, the environment around and the atmosphere around Southampton was only headed one way. And you know, sellers for all with best efforts could have resurrected it. But yeah, as I said, it, it was a long journey to get to Slampton and one that I think he, you know, he put the hard yards in for. So kind of one one thing that really did shine through and kind of you touched upon it there was was his relationship with players um, and fans, kind of everyone that seems to come into contact with him really likes him. Um, I, I've, I've got a friend who's a Southampton season ticket holder. He was, wasn't really sure on Sellers or kind of his managerial ability, but the one thing he said was he's a bloody nice guy and everyone like, likes him. Is that down to his coaching nature, do you think? I've seen an interview as well with a former player he coached, I think back in his days in Denmark, where he he couldn't couldn't stop talking about the, the way he's just constantly coaching, giving feedback, etc. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've done a, f- a few pieces on him and like we've spoken to previous players, like you say, and one of the things about him was that he would he was a stickler for detail. He spent hours on the training ground working with the back four, working on the shape. And despite it seeming pretty boring to us, players really liked it because he felt like he was personable, he could relate to the players and you know, he wasn't one of those that would treat it like an army camp, but at the same time, he knew the importance of hard work. And I think the, he found a really good balance there. That, And even when things were going wrong with Samson, when you know players had turned on Jones and Hasen at all, they never, or what we heard, they never quite got the impression of turning on Sellers. And I think that's because of, he is a good guy, but he also he, he could be... He could be bossy and he could be firm when he had to. You know, Slamson had 30 players, a bloated squad when he took over. A lot of players were left out of squad every week, disenfranchised. And the first thing he said to these players is, a lot of you won't play ever again because, you know, your attitude's not good enough or your approach not good enough. And I'm only playing the players' attitude's right. And although they weren't the best players and supporters was like, you know, why are certain people playing? It's because they gave it their all on the pitch. And, you know, the more talented players were left on the sidelines. So that speaks to a man that's got principle that knows the importance of hard work and attitude and and someone that, you know, doesn't take any prisoners either. Yeah, we've um, heard kind of similar from inside the club, to be honest. I think he's already had contact with with the coaches. I think the likes of um, uh, Noel Hunt and stuff has uh, already obviously had contact with Sellers. He's been taking coaching on his his behalf at the moment. It's kind of um, echoing the same sort of um, things as kind of you've you've said there with the uh, minimum requirements almost uh, uh, that, that he's laying out to the coaching staff. Um, it might be a hard thing to maybe try and decipher from his time at Southampton obviously because of mitigating circumstances but when it comes to play styles yeah. I've heard many different things from different people some but the, the, the one thing that kind of remains constant around kind of what what he wants and his football vision is almost quite similar to Hassan Hassan Hootel at his time at Southampton high pressing um, counter-attacking fast-flowing football is there any kind of insight or kind of ways that you can look back at his time at Southampton and pull any comparisons is that kind of where you think he'll be looking to go with his play style do you know what? I actually asked him that in the interview how similar your philosophy is with Hassan and actually what is your philosophy and he said there are certain parts he got across at Slanton uh, and there are certain similarities with Hassan in terms of they want to press high they want to be aggressive he, but what he also said was that Hassan was the best in the world for pressing high and a choreograph and a concerted press where I think Sellers a little bit more restrained he'll he'll press in spurts he won't press constantly like Hasnilter would do um so he's one of those that wants to do that and another thing he said which was really important is 
a lot of goals Lampard scored last year was through transitions, through counters, through set pieces. And he said, that is how I want my team to play. He said, I want to really focus on counter-pressing and you know, making the most of transitions as well. So I think there'll be times where Slampton, uh, sorry, Reading will be a possession-based team where they'll try and play it from the back. I think the key elements of he wants games where they're transitional and he wants his teams to be fitter, to be more dynamic, to be more vertical, playing through the line. So that's where the similarities for Parson to are. But yeah, out of position, you're not going to be the constant press, press, press like Ralph Ralph Harsner to was because at the end of the day, it has downsides and also it, it can be, you know, especially in a t- in a league where teams are going to be more direct, so there's less opportunities to press. Uh, it probably won't work as well as it did in the Premier League. No, I'm not sure many Reading fans want uh, a two-season reoccurrence of 9-0 losses. We've had enough <laughs> of uh, thumpings over the year, that's for sure. Um, kind of looking at him then, coming into Reading, um, again, it's touched upon um, in, in your article from The Athletic, which we've shared on, on EPR and you've got on your on your Twitter. Um, you touch upon the actual reason he came to Reading, because a lot of people look at it and kind of think, Why? Yeah. Like I, I've got so much admiration for him coming to Reading. I have to say, just because he is bonkers enough to choose Reading, quite frankly, um, because we're being a mess at the club. As you know, his appointment has kind of proven. It's taken weeks, um, embargoes coming in, etc. Um, but kind of what, what what insight can you give to kind of the reasons why and what ultimately might bring success for him at Reading? I was surprised as well. I thought you know he had office pre coming into Slampton as, as manager to, to be in the championship. He had interest in the championship this summer as well, you know, back in his homeland of Spain. And I thought that was probably the level he could work out. I thought dipping into League One, I think that's a bit of a coup for, for Reading right now, given where they are. Uh, I do think he's re- going to be a really good manager. He, he needs patience because yeah, the situation at Reading is difficult. But one of the reasons that he wants to go to Reading is because he wants to be a project manager. He wants to build from the ground up. And I think he looked at... Obviously, not moving his family too far. I think that's important. They've moved five times in as many years. He wants the stability there. But also, he's looked at the training ground. He's looked at the facilities, the infrastructure at Reading. And although everything seems in a bit of a mess at the moment, there is purpose there, should things in the ownership and everything else get sorted out. So that's, I think that's one of the reasons he wants to build projects. He's got good facilities there, similar to Salamton, which he, he loved. Uh, and he can see growth. And I think his ambition is to have this year at Reading go on, in a promotion, great. Or if they don't, then perhaps he could enhance his reputation as well through a different way, through being in a playing style uh, and an approach. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of upsides for Reading. But, you know, if you're asking my personal opinion, I think it's a huge risk when there are probably other jobs there that would probably be a little bit more stable. Probably a bit easier as well. Um, one thing I was talking to uh, my friend who's a Southampton season ticket holder was that uh, he thought he had a mess when he came into Southampton. And he has somehow chosen an even bigger mess to now come into in Reading, seemingly. But um, I mean, good luck to him. You know, like I said, I've got so much admiration for him for the fact that he's actually chosen Reading and decided to come here, bonkers or not. You know, mm. I seriously hope that he comes through and uh, is a success because it, it it sounds like he's got a good philosophy. It sounds like he's a very good person. So hopefully, Reading can start benefiting off him. One thing Bowen has said in the past as well to fans and at fans' events is that he wants. Um, or his vision for the club is having having almost a first team coach rather than a manager building philosophy mm. from what you've said sellers fits into that perfectly seemingly mm. wanting to build something and you know from the ground up 
he, he needs to staff around and to make sure they're aligned as well. He needs everyone heading in the same direction. I think that's one of the frustrations over the last couple of weeks, you know, just in the waiting really about it. So he needs to make sure that those above him do their jobs, that they fit in with what he wants. Otherwise, there's going to be difficulties like you saw in those last few months at Southampton. Um, he's a strong man, very strong in his beliefs. Uh, and I, I do hope that for all the issues that Reading will be, they'll they'll have they'll be undercooked for the season. Let's let's be honest, they'll be underprepared. The signings coming in now, you just hope that he fosters a team spirit that galvanises Reading in the in a short term to make sure he has credit in the bank for sure. His job's not a risk, but also make sure that Reading are in a fairly decent position by the time it gets to winter. And hopefully, there'll be more of a team and more more cohesive there, and everything else with the ownership issues will be sorted out a little bit better. So I think that's that's what his greatest strengths are. I wouldn't say let's expect free-flowing football and everything going smoothly straight away. But let, I think what you should expect is a, is a person that will give everything and a person that will hopefully bring these players all together and hopefully, you know, allow Reading to bounce straight back up. Biggest question, do you think he'll succeed at Reading? I don't know if any manager will succeed at the moment. <laughs> uh, it's um, a poison chalice. Exactly. <laughs> I, it does look like from the outside, but... um. I, I hope he does. I would say, if you know, I'm, I'm, speak, I'm not speaking as a Reading fan, but I hope there's a lot of patience there, um, understanding there's going to be difficulties. Um, but I do think he's he's a good manager, better than better than League One. And over time, whether that's at Reading or at another club, he will he will prove that. Uh, he did say in his last press conference at Slampton that he will see us very soon in the Premier League. Um, so hopefully, it will only be two years, and and with Reading as well. Brilliant. Jacob, thank you so much for for, uh, for joining us today and giving us the insight. Um, obviously, if you do want to take a read of Jacob's um, article, it's uh, on his Twitter. We've also shared it um, on EPR. Um, it's the Athletic um, doc, um, document, thinking work here, um, Athletic article. Um, yeah, so you can uh, go take take a look at that. It's a brilliant read um, on there. It's an interview that was conducted, I think, a couple of days ago, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So, uh listen uh, to that and uh, read from the horse's mouth from sellers um we are going to switch now uh, back to uh, myself paul and alex who's just going to dive now into a bit more just around sellers and our thoughts so join us on the other side of the break for that now we have listened to uh, jacob there from the athletic it sounds really good matt what were the key kind of takeaway points that you took from that we finally got a manager <laughs> it sounds crazy saying that we've got a permanent manager for what the first time in nearly it must be nearly 90 days or so since obviously Paul Lintz left um yeah no joking aside main takeaways I think is just the the style of manager I think that that, that, that he is I think you know I think there's been a lot of um uneasiness potentially with you know with what happened before all the stuff around Chris Wilder that kind of going astray bringing in you know a new manager is it Bowen's man is it not kind of thing you know and the stigma that that kind of held I think listening to to Jacob and kind of um the type of manager I think that Sellers is I think it certainly breeded a bit of confidence in me you always get it though when you get a new manager don't you You get that little bit of a buzz and you know you get that feel good um but no I think I think he he definitely sounds like a real progressive manager someone that hopefully we can bring on with the club as well, whilst he brings the club on as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I think it's, I'm more confident having spoken to, um, 
having spoken to Jacob than I was before, definitely. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's it found, it's, it's weird, this emotion, upbeat, isn't it? I, I'm just not used to it at all. It sounds really good. It sounds like he's a strong personality, has a really good identity of how he wants to play. He's going to stick to it. I particularly liked it when he said it's a bit of a coup for Reading to get him, which is nice. It's nice to be in a position where we're getting someone who's actually maybe at a level below where they should be. And that's good because I feel like with managers over the last five, six years, it's been the opposite. We've been getting people who nobody else would want. Uh, and that's not great. So we've also been joined by Alex. What are your thoughts on the appointment? And uh, you kind of like, how's your emotions in the last few weeks about Reading? I think I'm relatively pleased about Sellers joining. Um, as Matt said, it's nice to have any manager, no matter who it was. And uh, it, I think it's one of the managers who out there who is um maybe a bit of a gamble no one really knows how it's going to go um but if you're going to pick someone who's a gamble why not pick someone who's you know done it at a reasonably high level in europe at multiple different clubs um not necessarily as a manager but you know has coached for 15 years or so um it's not it's not a huge kind of gamble on someone who no one knows anything about um so i'm relatively pleased i think uh in terms of like reading over the last few weeks it's obviously been fairly negative um hopefully we've kind of turned a corner in this last week i think making a signing and, and obviously sellers now being confirmed yeah so fingers crossed like the rest of preseason is a bit con more kind of normal um because obviously this week is although it feels very positive as reading fans it's kind of just business as usual for uh, the other 23 clubs in league one yeah, only 22 days now to go until the start of the season. So you'd fully expect it to be very, very busy now in the transfer window, Alex, because I can't see anything. But I mean, we hope, we hope we're going to be signing a lot of players now, don't we? Yeah, I mean, if it's 22 days, we, most people seem to think that we need, what, maybe 10 signings, maybe more. So you're probably looking at, having to bring in a player every couple of days now up until the very, very start of the season, if you were to fill it out, which realistically, you know, we've kind of been screwed over by by being in an embargo up until a couple of days ago. Um, and probably behind the curve, really. So it seems unlikely we're going to get everybody signed up before the start of the season. Um, so if they can get in another, you know, four or five players before the start of the season and just have some kind of semblance of a team where they're not relying on eight youth players in the first 11 or eight youth players in the squad. That would probably be probably be okay for the start of the season, but it, it does feel like we've probably hindered ourselves a little bit, given that we've only got three weeks left. Yes, our glorious owner has uh, made it very difficult yet again. So on Wednesday, the news broke that the embargo was officially gone, which meant then we could obviously sign Harvey, Nibs, Matt. But what a relief it is to see that the embargo isn't there. If Mark Boeing does say in the uh, announcement of Harvey that the challenges are still there. None of us know exactly what they are. But it's been quite good having that embargo on the EFL site, hasn't it? 
Um, yeah, kind of. But in the back of your head, there's still the lingering thought of right when when are we going to be back on it? You know, mm. it's it, it, you know it's it's nice to no longer be on it. Sure, you know we can we can sign players. We've got a manager now at least that can turn up to games and actually be called the manager. You know, which, which is a start. Um, it's a pretty low bar to come back from that, isn't it? Really, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. You know, I just. Like I just want and hope that we can get some signings in. Um, I know there's all the stuff around, you know, potential points deductions as well that again is hanging over us. I mean, how many times have we said that previous seasons? You know, will it be for the unpaid unpaid wage payments, etc.? You know, it's just like it, it. It's nice for a second though, just to almost feel a bit normal as a club. Um, I know it won't last long, so just I'm just going to enjoy it whilst whilst it feels a bit normal. Before I remember about the the sadly the man that's still at the helm of the club um and ruining everything but but yeah yeah you know we've we've got a manager we're not on the we're not on the efl suspension list or embargo list let's let's celebrate for a minute <laughs> we've been well behaved this week it won't last but <laughs> let's make the most of it yeah i mean alex what's your mood kind of about the embargo because we are sat there kind of in this limbo still we hope it's gone forever we don't want to see it again. It's that really, really shit person you never want to hear again. But it's not gone we do have Come the on, tax. Let's... <laughs> Sorry, it's <yeah>. not gone. <laughs> well, we do also have the wage issue, don't we? Which I don't think will put us back on the embargo, but we can't be certain, can we? Yeah. Until the EFL kind of like put out a charge and a statement saying what's the situation we're not really in limbo because it seems like we can sign players, but you, you just don't want us to end up with, you know, three weeks down the line. Oh yeah. Reading are back in an embargo because they didn't play pay loan players last season or something, or, you know, if we took too long to pay the tax bill or whatever it might be, I don't, it could be any, any of those things really couldn't it? Um, it's a frustrating one because it, it like, obviously the lack of communication, which has come out of the club on basically all of these issues and, you know, although it's not necessarily their problem, um, there's obviously been nothing from the EFL either. They just kind of put the stuff on the website and they communicate with the club. So it's not really their job to necessarily communicate it to the fans. But um, we're all kind of in, in the dark a bit, I guess, about the embargo news, except for the fact that it just doesn't seem to be there anymore. Um, so I'm hoping that there won't be any kind of repercussions um i think we're probably going to get some kind of a suspended penalty it, it feels unlikely that the efl are going to go too harsh on on the loan payment being late loan payments being late the hmrc thing uh, and it being late who knows really um it's one of those situations where if you've paid late you kind of as you know, as bad as it is to say, you kind of deserve what you get. So if the EFL say, okay, well, you're back in embargo, that's that's going to just have to be the, that's the punishment. Um, it, it, but it's difficult to say really until somebody communicates with the fans. Yeah, totally. But let's get on to the positive news. Harvey Nibs has arrived, Matt. To me, it looks like an ideal signing. We have no idea how it's going to work out. I'm not expecting him to be the next Dave Kitson. I'm not going to put any kind of like stupid benchmark for him or anything. But just because he's come from Cambridge, that, that's why I've stuck that one in. But 
it looks positive. He's a 24-year-old, three-year deal. He's very keen. He comes across really well in his interview. It's all positive, I think. Summed up perfectly, I think. Yeah, you know, listen to his first interview today. You listen to it, look, looks and sounds like a guy who's really, really driven, wants to succeed, knows what, what he wants and where he wants to go. Um, I mean, yes, you can say you always get this from from obviously interviews when first interviews it, when when they come it, out. It does help, Matt, that this this time there's been no kind of like reaction from Cambridge fans being like, oh, <laughs> unlucky you've signed Nibs. Whereas it feels mm-hmm. much more, it feels like much more that they're very disappointed that they've lost him as a player. Yeah. And actually he was very, very well liked at Cambridge. Um, it, it feels like quite a long time since we've had a player sign who's been that kind of, you know, fan favourite at their previous club. Previously, almost pretty much Josh Laurent, right? You know, he came from came from Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury fans really liked him um had glowing reviews about him wanted to keep him um you know if he if he kind of follows that that sort of vein i think you know we've got a good player on our hands um it's just nice to have a um, a good hard working by the looks of it attacking player he looks and sounds like he'll fit into sellers's mold perfectly as well with his with his high energy high press good work ethic that's one thing obviously that um jacob obviously mentioned was a big thing for sellers was work ethic you know chucking out almost pretty much some of the Southampton players from the squad because, you know, they didn't have the right attitudes, um, you know, and he was... Some of the some of the elements of that article, which Jacob uh, put out earlier around the fact that Southampton were training, they were changing in two separate dressing rooms was mad. I've never heard of that before. Uh, well, well so I guess it's, it's, it's the size of squad they had, wasn't it? They, they had over 30 players, I think. I think he said so. Some had to be cut, um, you know, and I guess, well, I'd don't know how big their change room is maybe it wasn't big enough for 30 players i don't know um but um yeah it's it, we, we've had that before haven't we we've had that where we've had lots of players in a dressing room under clement never ends well um but it's nice to have a like I say a hard-working player like nibs fits the seller's mold seemingly perfectly um and yeah hopefully you can just kick on and be a, be a key player for this um this season and beyond best thing obviously he's got resale value as well being 24 and three-year contracts yeah all sounds great, doesn't it? And now talking about that training ground just brings flashback memories of uh, Jose Gomez and the ones that he banished. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Thinking of training with different people and different areas. That is oh, another golden era. So we asked for some questions to be sent in as well. And a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some of them have been based around the cell before we die campaign as well. And asking, I kind of like to sum them all up. Basically, will this last week or so coming out of embargo getting a new manager making signings probably having more will it change our stance i'm only talking on behalf of own part roles here i'm not going to talk on behalf of everyone else will it change our mind on you know wanting die young to sell up and leave reading for myself it doesn't make any difference at all uh what about you alex uh, no not really i mean we signed the player and we've got a manager great it's the same as every other club in the you know in the in the country um it's it's nice that we're normal i guess all of a sudden but normal because we've had four or five years of you know being completely batshit crazy um you know one week of normal or even one month of normal isn't going to you know make up for the fact that we've lost a stadium to an owner in hundreds of millions of pounds of debt to him and basically just gone backwards. Um, so no, it doesn't really change my mind. 
one one good signing and a manager appointment doesn't doesn't rectify six years of mismanagement. You know, it's it's, it's not going to change. I don't think many people's opinions on on one signing, um, even a good good transfer window. He's been here for six years, taking us backwards every single season. The message doesn't change. You know, the thought doesn't change. He 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 still needs to go. I agree. Let's move the mood slightly here. Jamie Jambles. Now that is quality straight away. When do you think we all uh, we will have the league wrapped up by? I say March. And you see, I love this blind. Uh, it's very <laughs> pessimistic March, I would say. You, you don't think we're going to win every game up until Christmas? And yeah, that is poor Jamie, isn't it? I mean, what kind of fan is he? I am asking that question. <laughs> Uh, it's good, isn't it? I mean, obviously, he's not really thinking that, is he? But um, it's nice to put something there a little bit daft, isn't it? Theo Walcott from Neil Warren, chance of him joining us. I don't honestly know. Who, who knows? Anything else to add on that? I don't think we do, do we? Because we just no don't. idea. Shall I, shall I draw an answer out of the hat? Um, yes, I'll be... say I'll say yes for the for, for, for it, the option. It would be nice, I think, is my answer. I, I would like to, I'd like to I see agree. a sign Walcott just if, if purely because of the fact that he played a lot under Sellers last season, Walcott must have something about him which Sellers likes. Yeah, no, no, I I, I, I totally agree. And you know him inside out as a personal. And to be Theo Walcott coming into League One, if if that was to happen, he'd be a real big hitter and uh, he'd be a real leader. I mean, he's been through so much in his career. So, yeah, he would be a huge asset. Andy Taylor asks, assuming we're getting another six to eight players, how long is it going to take them to gel? You'd assume it's going to take a few months, isn't it, Alex? I mean, I don't think it, that kind of thing. I mean, you could magically gel quickly and then kind of dissipate slightly, but I think fully you'd be looking at like October, November, aren't you? Well, I mean, how long did it take for um, when we went through that that second season with, with Panovic, it took ages for the squad to kind of like look like it was fully settled because we just ended up signing players right up until the deadline. Um, and we, it, I think it probably took up until the kind of like October international break um, that season. Obviously, there is no international break this season, so it makes it a bit more difficult um, really to kind of like put a time frame on it. But yeah, a couple of months probably um, as a minimum. From Andy here. Was Thena still need an update from the club, Mark Bowen, explaining what the hell has been going on these last few weeks and what embargo restrictions, points deductions, etc. If any, we may still face. Is it, I understand what you're saying there, Andy. I, I get that. It has been complete silence for, it feels like months. It wasn't months. But it, it's a tricky position from the club to be in. And Mark Bowen, if they come out and react to everything or try to clarify something. I mean, when you were listening to the interview, with them uh, on the club recently today saying that they thought the embargo wasn't going to be come back, then it did come back and now it's gone again. It is, it is a tough one to deal with, isn't it? PR wise, Alex. Um, it is. Yeah. It would be nice to get some clarification. I don't really mm. expect us to get anything um, from anybody at the club in all honesty, you know, if they remain quiet on everything this entire time, like what's the motivation for them to come out and clarify now really um they they you know they'll just try and move on with it i think and like brush it under the carpet a bit um it's probably easier for them pr wise to do that than try and explain it yeah 
Yeah, I think so. Otherwise, you'd be doing every single thing, wouldn't you? So thanks a lot for uh, listening to this podcast. Hopefully, we'll be back with some more good news at some point soon. If you have enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And uh, I'm going to finish it with uh, up the fucking ding. <laughs>